0: Husky fans, welcome back to fourth and inch as a Husky podcast. My name is Trevor Mueller with me is Jake Grant, coach V and UW Leah. Uh, we're here to talk about the first week of the Jed fish era, how we feel about it. The, the good more on the side of the good, some of the departures, but really the guys that are choosing to stick around and the guys that are portaling in just an overall vibe uh, of the team. Jake, how do you think this first week has gone?
1: Uh, it's been a roller coaster of emotions, man. Uh, we had a lot of guys leave. We still have people leaving. Um, you know, Jeremy leaving, Parker leaving really hurt. Uh So it felt like we were never going to get a recruit. Our group chat was blown up all week. It seemed like I personally couldn't wait until we got our first commit. And then that first commit hit and then the second and then the third. And now Jed's starting to get us reeling a little bit starting to get us back into play uh looking like a football team again and um the pain is a little less bad today and i'm starting to trend on the on the side of feeling good again
0: yeah and i gotta tell you one thing that coach fish has got to do asap is to get some sort of a gif or an emoji or something just to let everybody know that there's been a commitment because waiting for you know Somebody to take a screenshot of somebody's Instagram or waiting for, you know, somebody who is credible to actually put out that there's a commitment is, uh, well, it's cumbersome to me and, and it makes my life a little bit harder. So I'd like that to go away. Leah, how are you feeling about everything?
2: Well, Dust is settled from the week after the debacle with Kalen DeBoer. And I think that we're in a good spot with Jed Fish. Um, I agree. I think that he needs to decide like what his GIF is gonna be. Is it like gone fishing? Is it like throwing up a dub? I don't know, but like decide what it is and so we can get excited about it. Um, but we've gotten some guys in the portal that's been exciting. Um, obviously n- don't love to see Jeremy and Parker leave. That's less than exciting, but um this guy recruits and like I'm excited to let let Jed fish for recruits. And like, let's see him go. I'm I'm excited about that. And I I think that's going to happen. I just think that it's going to take a little bit of time, but he is out there. He's working his tail off. And so is his staff that he has accrued right now. Just waiting to see what the other part of his defensive staff will be. So overall positive
0: coach, what's your definition of maniacal recruiter and is Jed fish going to be that?
3: I think they've already started maniacal recruiter. (sighs) It just has to be somebody who puts as much emphasis on talent acquisition as they do on X's and O's. It's a fine line. Not a lot of coaches can handle the college game at the highest levels because of that. I've heard from several guys who coach in in college in the NFL and they laugh when they think about going back to college and, and dealing with all the things that you have to as a college coach. And some guys are just really natural at it. Some guys are really just built for that and working with younger people and, and all of the other stuff that goes with that, but recruiting is half of the equation. Um, I love the fact that he's got a bunch of recruiters on the staff who have done this all over the place. And these next few hires on the defensive side are going to be huge for that Um, defensive coordinator. Probably not so much, just get a guy in there who can run the show and let the, you know, assistants do that. But maniacal recruiting just means you're taking it as seriously as a team that went to the national championship a couple weeks ago should be taking it. And that was the one knock on the, on the past staff is that I just never understood their lack of emphasis on recruiting.
0: Well, it looks like this staff, like you were saying, is full of guys that can recruit really well. Um, obviously Brendan Carroll, uh, name up here that people know he's probably got the toughest job right now because of the state of his position group. He's the offensive coordinator, but he's also the offensive line coach and with the Hatchet brothers, uh, Nate Coleppo, um, Julius Buelo, uh, in the portal, not yet signed anywhere. Um, there's your entire starting offensive line and your, you know, two reserves are now gone from, uh, this national championship team. So, Uh, Coach, just talking straight up about Carroll, what does he have to do to rebuild this offensive line?
3: Uh, Maniacally recruit the position, (laughs) both at the high school level and in the portal, depending on who leaves. Now, if we get these guys to come back, the real question mark, obviously, would be center and, and right tackle. And we've got some guys on the roster um, hopefully everybody's healthy by spring ball and we can have a real competition about it. But you just, between the next three weeks of this, this window that we have open because of the coaching change and then the spring portal season, I'm not too worried about it. The The biggest thing is to get guys in before spring. So you can get them all working together and and have that cohesion. So when you go into the first game of the season next year, it's not five guys who are still getting to learn each other's names.
1: What's, what's your level of concern if we do lose every offensive lineman in the portal?
3: I mean, probably medium, just because like I said, there's, there's so many more opportunities in, in our situation specifically where you can go out and put feelers out and maybe spend a little money in, and bring somebody in. Um, not totally down on some of the young guys we have on the roster too. I, I'm, I, as I shared earlier, I'm really big on Zach Henning. And if he, if he were to slide into one of the guard spots, yeah, he would be a young guy, but physically, I think he's just about there. And the, the, the biggest thing is we've got a new offensive system. It's, it's not totally different than what we ran before, but it's a new offensive line coach is a new voice. So just making sure that everybody's on the same page and, and knows what the expectations are. I've, I've been to several clinics and I've heard coach Huff talk about techniques and how they want to handle double teams and getting the second level. Do they want to come all the way off? They want to use like flipper technique or whatever. Every coach has his own things. So it's just a matter of getting comfortable with those techniques and drilling it every day. And then it becomes second nature. Is, is as a party still a firm commit? As far as I know. Yeah. I think he's uh it's not the only thing we can count on right now,
1: yeah. And I mean, that's a, that's a positive too, because he's a four star coming out of uh, what's he coming out of Fres- San, San Diego, Diego State. State, yeah. And so, I mean, that's a little bit of more depth than you hadn't planned on having before
3: everybody left. So, and honestly, before the last few weeks, and and you know, the, the fact that we got all the way to game number 15 this year, um there was some sentiment that Roger might come back for another year. Yeah. You know, they would set him up with a pretty sweet NIL deal. And I think he just got to the point where it was like, all the signs were there. He's playing kick-ass football. He's dominating. He's a PFF darling for past pro this year. One of the best in the country. And it's like, well, been in college for four years. Let's just go, go try your hand in the NFL and see if you can make it there. And, I don't blame him for that. You know, anybody who's been in school that long, I mean, you've kind of paid your dues. You had just a dream season and yeah, but I was really counting on him coming back. So, you know, he and Troy are obviously hard to replace.
0: It's definitely going to be, I mean, over the last two years, Washington has had one of the best offensive lines and, regardless just the natural turnover, even if all of those guys come back out of the portal, it's just going to be a different group and it's going to take a little bit more time. Some of the other names on there, Kevin Cummings was a big one that Washington really wanted to get up here. There was some conversation about him staying down in Arizona and being the offensive coordinator. And, you know, maybe that would tip the scales to get McMillan and Fafita up here, which didn't happen either way. Uh, Either way, having Cummings up here, another great recruiter along with Jimmy Jority um, Scotty Graham, Jason Confuci, Jordan Pow Pow, Jason, John Richardson. Um, but, you know, Jimmy Doherty, Jordan Pow Pow, former Washington coaches already. Uh, and they were here during that Sarkesian era where they did recruit well. And Pow Pow was actually Peterson.
2: Was he a holdover from Sark? And then the first week that he was on staff with Jimmy, he fired him? Or did Peterson? He left.
0: Hire him? He le- <sighs> I don't remember. I thought he was on the staff because I thought that he left and then um, it was sim- it was when Durham Cato came in, I think. Um, my timeline could be off. It doesn't necessarily matter. Uh, Scotty Graham, the running backs coach, uh, has already put in some major work since he's been uh, hired here. I think one of the things that's going to be interesting, we haven't seen any movement on Cam Davis. It'd be great to have him stay, but he got two excellent running backs, uh, out of Arizona. The first one, a guy that Washington fans know well, cause he ran so well against us, uh, in Jonah Coleman, who he runs actually a very, he has a very similar game to Dylan Johnson. He's a little bit shorter, but he makes one cut and he goes, uh, he gets upfield he breaks tackles and he's good out of the backfield. Uh, some of the plays that he made catching the ball out of the backfield, um, I thought were were really high level because he was catching the ball in in heavy traffic, breaking tackles and getting upfield. I think him, Cam Davis, and then um, oh, where's the name, Adam Muhammad, who's more of a change of pace back to what he does, uh, is a great three headed running back room along with the guys that are still on the Washington roster.
1: Yeah, I mean I've been watching a little bit of film on on Jonah Coleman today and that guy is an absolute cannonball um when he was playing for arizona he there were so many times i i watched hits that he was taking that he could bounce off of stay up keep his balance his balance is something that i think is unlike anything that we saw this year from any running back that we had on our roster um um there were hits that dylan johnson took that he was going down right away with as much as we all love dj um, Jonah Coleman staying up, He just has that immaculate balance that I, that you see in a lot of NFL running backs. Um, Adam Muhammad is a guy that put up ungodly numbers in high school. Uh, coach, you probably know more about him than I do. He's from the Southern California area or Arizona area. No, he's from Arizona. He played
3: Arizona. at a high school.
1: But his, his numbers in high school were ungodly. What did he end up with? 50 uh, some touchdowns last year. Yeah,
3: the the big stat was that he finished one career touchdown behind Bijan for all time in in the state of Arizona, and obviously you know different levels of uh, you know, I mean I'm not going to compare anybody to Bijan because he averaged like over 13, 14 yards a carry his senior year, like he was just he was just Barry Sanders playing high school football. Um, but yeah, um, Adam Muhammad is he's got this, this sort of taller frame that you could envision him he's one of those guys in the in the old days where the don jameses and the you know guys like that would see a big you know tall running back like that and he's maybe 180 190 pounds and then three years later he's an all-conference linebacker he's just a versatile kid he played he played defense he played special teams had like five or six touchdowns on kick returns he's just one of those versatile guys that can kind of just be a football player and play anywhere. Um, The thing you were talking about with Jonah Coleman earlier, and uh, it's a thing that I always talk about with running backs is contact balance. You're talking about how he, how people just kind of bounce off him. When we were at the game um, in Tucson this year, and they kept showing the replays every time Arizona would have a a decent play and they put it up on the big screen and you're seeing Jonah Coleman and that group of running backs just run through tackles and just, you know, all that power behind the pads but he's low enough to the to the ground where he can just make a cut and get out of the get out of trouble very big fan of him that night and i was i made the joke uh i was with a group of like 12 people and i made the joke and i go how come arizona and arizona state always have these dudes at running back that are just sort of anonymous but they're just like you can totally see that guy playing in the league like that kid that ASU had last year, I can't remember his name. He was a big 6'1", 220-pound running back. And I'm like, where are they getting these guys? Because it's not like they're just dominating the recruiting you know, cycle every year. But, man, they had a stable of running backs, and Coleman was you know, their top dog. So I was just really impressed with him. I'm so glad that he's going to be running the ball for us next year. And we yeah. just kind of looked into that. Obviously, when you lose Cam Davis at the beginning of the season, we didn't know what we had in D.J., completely and he rushes for a thousand yards but my biggest concern all year long is we had nothing behind him that we could just kind of lean on so having a stable of backs hopefully cam comes back next year to go along with coleman and you know i don't know if tybo is going to stick around probably not but i don't want to put that out there and say you know i love to be wrong but you need a stable of like three or four guys that you know that you can put into the game and the in the talent and the ability just doesn't drop off. And that's our biggest thing is we we just had to keep using duct tape to hold you know, Dylan Johnson together this year. And we saw it in the last game. He just – he shouldn't have been out there, but that's kind of all we had.
0: Yeah, and I wonder what it was about Will Nixon that the coaching staff didn't trust him. Was it just pass pro? Because it felt like he ran the ball pretty effectively when he got – touches at some points. And, uh, I don't remember the podcast that was talking about it. I think it might've been sound the siren. They were talking about how, uh, you put him in this big situation on that third down drop, uh, where he hadn't been in that situation more than one or two times in the entire year. Then you put him in that position in the, with the biggest lights, which, um, you know, he's a high level division one football player, but still that's a very big position to be in. And he didn't get any opportunities to have that throughout the year. Um, what was it that just made this coaching staff go to d j so much? and I know some of it was also you know sam Sam Adams had an injury as well, but i I guess do you have any thoughts on that?
3: I have plenty of thoughts on this. um when will Nixon showed up last year, they were kind of thinking, you know he came from Nebraska. He was a converted wide receiver, moved to running back. They thought, well, that's going to be his role. He's going to be catching passes out of the backfield. He's going to run in jet sweeps, stuff like that. And they tried that early on last year. He did get dinged up. But cannot stress this enough, man. Playing running back, I know that the NFL has devalued the position over the last several years. Playing running back is is so much instinct, you know. It's it's not like you just you line up in the backfield, I'm going to hit. 60 hole right here and it's going to open up for me it is so much more complicated than that and guys who play running back and guys who play running back their whole lives and they they excel at it they have the vision they have the talent they have the instincts they can kind of it's almost like a sixth sense where they can they can just kind of feel where the holes are going to open up and will nixon talented athlete just he doesn't have a lifetime of playing the position. He didn't have those pure instincts. The irony of him dropping the pass in the flat on that third down was, you know, you're a converted wide receiver, man. Like, <laughs> that as easy as it's going to get. And I, you know, obviously I'm not criticizing him because, you know, he's out in the biggest stage in college football and he dropped the ball. It, it, he didn't mean to do it, obviously. But it's just a huge indictment that all year long they kept, shoving dylan out on the field while his his foot is all jacked up or his knee hurts or whatever his shoulder and you think over the course of time over the course of 15 games that somebody would have stepped up and been that second guy and the closest we got was tybo yeah he was a freshman
0: yeah and and that's the hope that you get a healthy cam davis with these three um you know, you kind of, you, you still have some guys that are in the program who knows, uh, but you know, there's another transfer window open. And as long as they can figure out the pass pro schemes, it seems like if you get a, a talented runner, like you're talking about that has those skills, it's sort of a plug and play for uh, fall camp. And then, and then the season.
3: And this offense that we were running the last couple of years with, you know, Grub and bore they were so dependent on that pass pro aspect of things when they would go max protect on their three vertical sets, having to, you know, buy time off the bootleg stuff and, and staying in the pocket. And when you have a quarterback like Michael Penix, who obviously has been athlete his entire life, but they didn't want him to take shots at all. They want him to run with the ball that much. Um, it was just highly imperative that they kept Michael in the pocket safe on his spot without people in his face and Dylan Johnson was just the best in the country at doing that. I don't know with like fish, you know, it's more of a West coast spread type of deal, very similar, but I feel like they have more of a get the ball out on time sort of, you know, mentality. And, you know, if we can get Will Johnson to stick around, he's, he's a really good guy to run that. Um,
0: sticking on the offensive side of the ball with the new commits, Damon Williams. Uh, coach, you know him very well. You had to face up against him four times in his uh, high school career. He's now uh, you know, the one scholarship quarterback that's on the roster as of this moment. Um, Jake, you I know you watched the film that coach put out there. Leah, I know you watched it. Uh before we give coach the floor to Talk about this guy. I mean, what do what are your thoughts on the quarterback room?
1: You know, it's uh, I I appreciate the film coach because um, watching him, he reminds me, and and I'm gonna say this, and it's a typical thing, right? He's he's a short quarterback. He, he they list they list him at five eleven. He's not five eleven. That guy is like five eight five nine. Um, mm-hmm. he's like five nine. I mean, he gets towered over by other people. But uh, he reminds me so much of Kyler Murray just with the ability to – an RPO with him is dynamic because you have to truly trust that he is going to keep the ball at least half of the time. And he is dynamic enough to be able to run the ball and get those first downs and gash you for big chunk plays. And when he does take it back and he does gear up to throw, the guy has an absolute cannon of an arm. That ball absolutely flies. There, there was a throw that I specifically liked on the film that Coach sent. That he threw it in between double coverage. What was it? Thirty, thirty yards downfield, Coach, um, and and split the defenders. It, it's not a throw that you would anticipate a high school kid being able to make, and it looked like he made it with ease. Um, with is that, that being, he,
3: is that the one he threw off one foot? Mm-hmm.
1: Yep. And uh, with that being said, though, he is coming in as a freshman and um, we still need something to hang on to for right now. We need we want to be competitive next year. I don't know if he is the answer for next year. Um, I guess we'll see how the college game translates for him, if if he catches up to the speed or not. But um, until that point, you know, we're kind of hoping that Will Rogers decides to stay and, and the coaches, Jed, Jed kind of convinces him to stay and just hang out that one year with us and and hopefully work on your draft stock and get a good draft placement out of us and um, help us win a couple of games but other than that I mean those are really the only two guys that I see have the ability to play for Washington next year
0: well and Washington does have uh, a commit who put out it's not a cryptic but like uh, a a thinky face emoji and Demarcarius Davis who you know if you look at the rankings on 247 they're almost that they're like right next to each other in uh quarterback rankings and who knows if he's going to stick around or not but uh you know it wouldn't be the first time Washington had two quarterbacks in the same in the same class uh Last one, obviously, Yankoff and Sermon. Neither of them ever played any meaningful snaps for Washington. But, um, you know, going in, this it's probably the way of college football now. I'm hoping that Will Rogers stays. I'd put it a little better than 50-50 that he does. It's the way of college football now. You're probably going to have two quarterbacks, maybe three if you're lucky, um, that are scholarship. Go ahead, Leah.
2: I was just going to ask, if he doesn't stay here, where would Will Rogers go?
0: And that's the question.
2: Like he's basically like almost assuredly got a starting spot. Cause probably a freshman isn't going to unseat him. So where else would he go? And
3: he knows I know. that. I think that, you know, I, I don't have any details of what it took to get him to Washington, but obviously he knows that he has some security there and he knows that he would be the guy coming back. I mean, he always knew that. And he only has one year left too. Yeah. But if somebody came along and said, you know, the guy we thought was going to start next year, just tore his ACL and, in, in winter workouts. Uh, we need you to come. And, you know, it's always something weird or, you know, somebody's need exceeds your need or whatever, or your, what value that you put on the player. So I think right now we're safe. It's just, there's a long time until then, but I think that if he, he gets to know the staff and he really buys into the system and he realizes that this is like a tailor-made, you know, offensive system for him, I, I think that he's starting for Washington next year yeah um <clears throat> but also, all right coach go ahead okay so as I've shared this many times with many people um the first time that I saw Demon Williams Jr um Basha was uh coming to play us at our home field. And I didn't know the full story. I, you know, they. It's towards the beginning of the season. There wasn't a ton of film on huddle, and I just started watching this kid. I was like, he's tiny. I go, what, what, what is he like? A sophomore? And and one of the guys next to me, one of the coaches in the booth, goes, No, he's a freshman. He's starting from day one. And I was like, what? And then I started watching warm ups, and I went, Oh, I get it. The ball exploded off his hand. He was maybe 5'8", 150 pounds, soaking wet. And the ball was just, just exploding off of his hand. Um, we had a back and forth battle. <clears throat> Very close game. Like I said, I'm up in the booth, so I get to see the whole deal. And we had a, a small lead, like maybe four or five points. And it was a third down and long. And it was uh, we were dropping into cover three. We had a safety back deep. He took the ball, dropped back. He was on their side of the 50 and he just unleashed this throw to the post that our safety, he just sitting in the middle of the end zone. He didn't realize the ball was coming because there's no way this little guy could throw the ball that far over 60 yards in the air, dropped behind our safety. Their receiver caught it in the back of the end zone and they end up winning a close game. And that was my first experience with Devon Williams Jr. I, I'd never seen anything. I've never seen a guy that small throw the ball like that. And over the next three years, he basically just kicked the crap out of us and most of the other teams in Arizona. Um, We have something here called the Open Division Championship, where they take all the top eight teams or 10 teams, whoever it is, and they all just play in the real state championship and then everybody else in 6A, 5A, 4A battles for their division. Well... They beat Saguaro in the Open Division Championship last year, and that's how good he was, and that's how good they are. Um, DeMond has just been a winner ever since he stepped on the field. He does incredible things physically, but, my God, the kid is just a leader. You know, I hate it because, you know, we lost – we went 0-4 against DeMond Williams in the last four years. But just stepping, you know, stepping back and not talking about the personal aspect of getting our butts kicked um, and we had kids that play with him in, in the seven on sevens and, and all that. And anybody, any coach, any player who's ever had any experience with him said, respectful kid, head on straight, all he wants to do is win, total leader, and just brimming with confidence, man. He's just a field general out there. Um, my head coach who uh has a Rose Bowl ring, a Super Bowl ring, state championship ring. Um he's uh you know he's seen a lot of players and the other day we were walking to the parking lot and i said hey guess who uh is gonna probably be at washington next year and he goes who and i said "Demond." and he looked at me for a second and he goes really and I go, yeah and then he just he looked away and he kind of shook his head and he goes that kid's dynamic and then like like heavy sigh bad memories and then he just walked to his truck <laughs> <laughs> yeah what else can you say um but yeah, he's a, he's an incredible kid. You know, I only gush about players from down here, not because they're from here, but because every once in a while you see somebody who's just special. Like everybody gave me crap about Parker Brailsford and you know, obviously that happened. <laughs> um, DeMond and, and Dom Hampton and whatnot. And, but DeMond is special. It, if he was six foot two, he would be the number one player in the country. I firmly believe that. And we had a chance to play uh Dylan Rayola last year when he was at Chandler, and I, the, despite the fact that Dylan is just a big, strong kid who fits the mold of that like five-star quarterback, I would take DeMond uh, ten out of ten times.
0: And that's, I mean, that's part of the the way that that works is they do look at the measurables uh, of a kid, right? I mean, if a kid fits the system of you know your prototypical player, a a bigger stronger kid, they're going to get more of those points when it comes to their star value. And, um, you know, there's also, I mean, obviously there's limitations with being small, but we've seen time and time again, that quarterbacks six foot and under are, can be very successful, not only in the college game, but in the NFL. So, uh, cannot wait to see him play. I hope he, uh, I hope he ends up starting his, uh, his redshirt freshman year. Uh, after a year of Will Rogers.
3: I'll tell you what, I would not even be opposed to him getting certain packages next year, obviously to come off the bench and and being able to kind of be that dual threat guy. To to tab him as just like a running quarterback would be a huge disservice to him though. I agree. It, it's You'd have to see it. You have to like, highlights are cool, but watching entire game film and then seeing it in person where he's just actively scrambling to find people downfield yeah. and just the way he was reading defenses, you, th- you throw everything you got at him and he's finding a way to find your, the holes in your defense. Um Obviously he played with a really talented team as well. He had a nice offensive line, a lot of receivers, but that kid just made everything work. Well,
0: that's why I liked your comp to Vernon Adams, because I thought that he did a really good job of, uh, yeah he just threw off the run really well from what I saw from his highlights. And uh, basically you're saying even on the, the plays that didn't make the real, that's just what he does. And so I think dual threat is an appropriate word for him. He's not a running quarterback, but um, he's going to be able to get you. Uh, I just think of him, like what you're talking about, Jake in the RPO, where that, that edge guy isn't going to just be able to crash down on Jonah Coleman or Cam Davis or, or whoever, because they have to make sure that they have that outside containment. Cause if not, you know, it's a, it's a chunk play.
3: When you, when you talk about dual threat quarterbacks, I always ask myself one question. If he had a pulled hamstring and it was stuck in the pocket all game, could you win with him? Mm. Devon Williams could absolutely carve you up. And then you throw in the fact that he's shifty like a running back. Yeah. And I just think, yeah. and another thing, I just think he processes the game really quickly. That is such an underrated thing that we don't talk about a lot. And I remember, you know, the the debates on, well, this guy, you know, Brock Purdy was the last pick in the draft. And, you know, what's the thing that he does other than plays on the 49ers? And like, well, the scouts kind of all agree, like the one thing he can really do is see the game and process it quickly. And that's, that's a giant skill in itself. And I think like DeMond, You know, you're wowed by the arm talent. You're wowed by the athleticism. But I've seen him for four years, man. That kid knows what he's doing. He knows how to read defenses. That's awesome.
0: Um, Moving on from the commits, I want to talk about the guys that we haven't heard. uh, Either they're in the portal or we haven't heard. This is kind of my wish list of guys that uh, I think uh, that would be uh, sort of in the order that I have uh that I would want to stick around. And that starts with Will Rogers, Jeremiah Hunter, Vincent Holmes, and the Hatchet brothers. Um those are my big wishes. I think that Vincent Holmes, he was one of my favorite uh prospects as a safety in this class. He's super fast. Uh he reminds me of like an Earl Thomas where he just covers so much ground. I would love to see him back. Obviously Jeremiah Hunter. We saw what he did at Cal in an offense that doesn't exist. I couldn't I can't wait to see what he would do you know, for Washington. And then I just, I think that we need offensive linemen. I, I think plugging in a couple of new offensive linemen is awesome, but getting back guys that have played together. So like putting Bulo in there and uh, who's uh um, Kalepo back would be great. Uh, but, but that's kind of my wish list. Do you guys have any that you see that you'd like that you would add to that list?
2: Did you say Cam Davis?
0: He, yeah, he's not in the portal. I didn't, I didn't put him on there because I don't know. I haven't heard anyway, but yeah, Cam Davis for sure.
2: I don't think he's gonna go, but I, I'm encouraged by how many of the pictures that have come out from the coaching stuff, and I see him in there. So I'm just awesome. like, if there's any lean, I think that he's leaning to stay, even though he's not in the portal. I was just I was thinking about like anybody that we had in the last year's team that we just prioritize keeping. Mm.
1: Uh, you took you took mine with Jeremiah Hunter just because I mean, look at what's gone. I mean, not just with Jeremy entering the the transfer portal, but then you lose Rome and you lose McMillan and you lose Jalen Polk and you lose now Jeremy. Uh, the the wide receiver lo- room is depleted, and Jeremiah Hunter is somebody that can come in and instantly plug in and play and be very productive for you. Um, he's a bigger wide receiver. He's a good red zone target. Um, I really like him. Um and and I think he's the one guy that I think that would hurt the most if he decided to enter the transfer portal.
3: Um obviously, you know, you talked about our starting guards. Uh we still don't know who's gonna play center next year. I know he's coming off an injury, but the Hatchet brothers, you know, Landon, especially at center, uh is a future, you know, stud at the position, whether he's healthy for next year or not. Um, and I know he's technically not in the portal, but it's been sort of weird ever since he committed and having issues with the transfer. BJ green needs to be a dog next year. Yeah. 100%. percent we got to find a way to make sure that he stays because he is such a difference maker and we're losing Braylon Trice, the difference maker of all difference makers. Yeah.
1: I agree with that. Yeah. I think BJ green is a huge keep for this program.
0: Guys that are staying that have announced Cameron, Fabi Kilanen, uh, Caleb Presley, Dyson McCutcheon, Rashid Williams, Royce Cleland, Thaddeus Dixon, and uh, as of about 25 minutes ago, uh, Elijah Jackson, looks like he's also coming back. So looking at uh, that, first off, big ups to every single one of those guys. Uh, I think the one that really spearheaded all of this was Caleb Presley uh, coming out immediately with all of his uh, fish puns and, uh, just seeing the guys, the go dogs, the rainies, the, their jerseys, whatever, um, showing that they're uh, sticking around. And honestly, like looking at this list and seeing some of the guys, uh, another one that I'm hoping from the transfer portal comes here is Ephesians price hawk uh, the secondary might actually be in a pretty good spot next year, uh, with some of the returners and the transfers that are coming in.
3: Price lock would be absolutely huge. And Jordan Shaw. Jordan Shaw. I didn't mention him earlier. Yeah. Jordan Shaw is a big one too. Coming from Indiana, going to Arizona for about five minutes and then realizing that he should be a Husky. Um, I really do love the collection of young guys. They brought in the secondary and the linebacking core last class. I love Devin Bryant. I love Jordan Whitney. I love, you know, Leroy, Leroy Butler. I love, um, Oh, God, I'm just going to forget somebody's name. I love the young safeties. I love Caleb's, you know, and Curly. And I just – that whole group just has so much potential, and now all their coaches are gone. So it would be very natural for them to say, well, let's just say looking around. But so far you haven't heard a lot of that noise yet. Maybe I think the smart thing for them is to wait through spring ball to kind of see, you know, how it shakes out and how they'll be used and will they be given a chance to play. CAMFAB coming back, listen – I know I make a lot of jokes about, you know, he's the Filipino football player at UW that I I couldn't be when I was in high school. So, you know, he's always got a special place in my heart. Lumpia is for everybody. Um, <laughs> love the fact that he came, came out of his, you know, last year was like his learning year and it was like, Oh, he had some rough moments and took some bad angles this year. He really stepped up and became a trusted player. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I, like I said, I just, you got to have. I think there should be a a, a conference rule that you got to have one Filipino football player on your team, and if you don't, you should be penalized three points at the beginning of the contest. And people are not talking enough you? about that.
2: Is that you, JCap?
3: Oh, <laughs> shout out to JCap. I didn't know. I didn't, I didn't know JCap uh, was part of the clan. Oh, but... oh,
2: absolutely. He is absolutely part of the Filipino clan. Whenever, whenever CamFab makes a play, JCap texts me hashtag Philippine Stand Up. So
3: yeah. Well, he's in he's in our giant uh, group chat, and whenever Cam, Cam makes a play, I declare in all caps Lumpia for everyone. So <laughs> I love that. yeah, yeah. There's going to be options. I mean, there's there's
0: a spot. You know, Asa Turner's in the transfer portal. Who knows what he's going to do? But there's a spot at safety. Misha's position changed throughout the year. Uh, but there's going to be a position, like a, a, a nickel corner position open. Uh, you know, Thaddeus looks like he could be uh, a boundary side corner. Um, there's other guys that, that could step up. Caleb Presley is extremely talented. I mean, he was one of the best players in that class last year. He was a nice. high four-star. So there's there's going to be a lot of options. Has, has uh, Jabbar
2: announced where he's transferring to?
0: Not yet. I'm really hoping of the group – I. For some reason, I guess, I hope it's Texas. Texas. Texas yeah, Texas. hopefully.
3: He can go He can go play with his cousin there. Probably take his cousin's playing time, to be honest with you, but keep it in the family, what the hell. <laughs> <laughs> so um, he, he also is from the, the
2: state of Texas, so he can play in front of family.
0: Yeah, that's a good point. Um, looking at all of it, though, you know, the only places where there's question marks of whether this team – you know, it's, it's impossible to say how good this team's going to be next year. Cause nobody really knows uh, yet who's going to be in what spots, but the only thing that gives me a lot of pause, whether it, it, you know, coming to trusting the staff to get the right players in the right spots, the only places that I'm really nervous right now are the most important. And that's both sides of the line. Um, I'm, I'm nervous about the depth and in the interior uh, the, of the high end talent on, um, on the edges and then just what it's going to look like on the offensive line.
3: Yeah. It's, you know, we talked about line earlier. I know that we got uh, Jalen Clem as a transfer last year, but I saw him. I remember I saw him on the sidelines at the Michigan State game, and I was like, wow, he needs to gain about 30 pounds. Very lean, very athletic kid. He could probably help out at tackle if he has a really big offseason. Then if he gets up to like the 295, 300 range, then, you know, let's rock. But, um, you know, like I said, I think the the one guy in that group from last year, Zach Henning, might be able to play as a redshirt freshman. But other than that, a lot of developmental guys. And uh, the one guy I was forgetting from the secondary that I just wanted to mention real quick, Vincent Holmes, very high on that kid. I, I would think that he gets on the field next year.
1: So speaking of offensive linemen, one that we did miss that was actually visiting this weekend from Arizona was Raymond Polito uh he's a big kid he's from uh apple valley California. he played at arizona last year six six three thirty five so that's somebody else that could also come in and and be a plug and play guy for this offensive line too. he can play inside um he's a good he's a good guard he he lists as a tackle but he has the ability to play inside for this offensive line um if he commits here with as a party um i mean i you're looking you're looking a lot better than what you had initially thought you were going to look like when everybody jumped in the portal from
3: the offensive line before that's the thing like if he if he goes to Washington, it means you're probably definitely losing either Nate or Julius or both because he's definitely an inside guy,
1: yeah, and honestly, I mean, I don't want to lose either one of those guys that are already here and in the program um it's it's a tough loss, no matter what, but I mean. Him being here this weekend, taking a visit, bodes well. If we do lose one or two of them,
0: yeah, there's a chance that some of them come back. We're not going to bring all of them back. I just don't see how that's going to be a reality with so many guys in the transfer portal. Are any closing remarks from anybody?
1: Uh, just ride the wave, man. Uh, it's it's been uh, two weeks. It seemed like I don't know who made the joke last week, but it has seemed like seven years. Uh, I think coach did last week. Yeah. Um, It has felt that way. It's Trevor left here dejected, making jokes about Jesus taking the wheel on the way home driving that night. Um, You know, but we had. I went
0: full carry Underwood.
1: Yeah. And, um, you know. only way to do it. But we're on our way back up, man. And now Trevor's hands are taking the wheel. Next week, it might be my hands taking the wheel. Who knows? So just keep riding it out.
3: Just keep your hands where so we can see them, and we'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> my my big takeaway is that I'm excited about our present and our future. I know it's going to get sorted out. I'm not honestly super concerned until we get to fall camp and we've got roster questions. Like I just think it's going to get figured out. My biggest concern right now is just uh, the defensive coordinator position. I wasn't thrilled with it the last couple of hires. So it's it's very important to me. And I did talk to somebody, um, a couple of people actually, that have knowledge of some of the candidates that have been thrown out there. And I think what I've come to the realization is that a lot of them I just don't want. You know, but a couple of the names that have come up are like guys who are connected to the Seahawks. And one of them was John Glenn and not the astronaut, not the guy who's been on the moon. I don't know. Maybe he has been to the moon. I don't know. But um, and just just because I didn't know a lot about him. He's a linebackers coach for the Seahawks and he doesn't call the defense. But a couple like two different people were like really high on him and said that he would do really well in a job like UW. I know Sean Desai's name uh, got thrown out there for somebody, some account on Twitter today. And I just don't see the fit. I know he was with Seattle last year and he got demoted as a DC at Philly the mid-season this year. And I just, I don't like that style of defense. I don't like the Vic Fangio, you know, bastardized version of the 3-4. I, I don't like it. I don't like anything about it. Um, one name that was uh, brought up to me today... And, uh, I was kind of like, Oh, all right. It was, I want to get this right because I got like 18 names in the ground. It is. Oh, Carl Scott DBs, uh, with the Seahawks. He was a coach at Alabama for a long time or for a few years. Um, I, I watched some video on him tonight or just like his teaching stuff, his cl- his clinic stuff. And, two different people said, hire that dude now. And I'm like, <clears throat> okay, good enough for me. Um, so that would definitely be something to look out for if, if maybe he or um, the astronaut John Glenn got a shot. I don't think it's a real big deal if these guys are major recruiters as long as the position coaches are. But from everything I've seen is that either of those guys would be really good with high school and college kids because they just are relatable and they get along with people and they know how to communicate effectively.
0: Leah, anything to close us out?
2: Trying to stay excited and positive about the program. It's been a a tough two weeks, not a lot else going on in the program because both of our basketball teams are less than mediocre. Uh. So uh, we just need things to get excited about, obviously. So hiring some exciting coaches and getting some flips in terms of recruits and hitting. The ground running and going fishing for recruits is going to be, it's going to work wonders for the overall temperature of Husky fans. So while we wait for a new basketball coach, probably.
0: It's just such a, it's, it's probably one of the more talented rosters he's put on the court since he made the tournament and uh, they just underperform. And from being, and I know he doesn't run the two, three anymore from being a defensive coach, watching some of their stuff, it's. It's really hard
3: to watch. Um, 90 to Stanford, 90. Yeah, that's 90. insane.
1: Give me, like well, give me Conroy for life. No,
3: no, oh, yeah. Mark Pope. Uh,
2: well, the Husky women lost to previously winless Arizona State today, so yes. I, I'm, I'm not, I'm not loving anything in terms of Husky uh, basketball right now.
3: Well, that crazy think, finish the other day. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Like Arizona State was getting blown up by everyone in the league. They were 0-6 until they came to Heck Ed, So
0: the shine on the Washington helmet is coming back, which is really yes. really beneficial. Uh, the Jed Fish, this first week of Jed Fish, I don't know if you can say that there's been anything that has slowed this train down. It just seems like there's a lot of positive going on um around the program, around the coaching staff. There's a lot of energy. And mm-hmm. I feel like after a really, really tough week, it was nice to have a week where we saw good news coming out of that, of those offices.
2: I completely agree. And I also really appreciate the new branding that Jed has started, which oh. is like the you, like the three things that it stands for. I really loved that. And I yeah. think that we have taken that and ran with it. And I love that too, because obviously branding, marketing, so very important, Hopefully Casey Byers stays because he was amazing this year. Hopefully he doesn't go to Alabama. Um, So I I just really like the direction of that because that was such a great marketing thing that he had on his presser to say that. And I'm a big fan already of that.
0: Yeah. And uh, so later this week, uh, some of us who are available are going to go on with the uh, sound, the siren guys and uh, talk Husky football with them. Get some more. Is that going to start a fire? All of you in a room. We'll see. I'm excited for it. It we're, might riot. It might be a riot. We're gonna yeah, we're gonna sound the siren with those gentlemen and uh probably get in some
2: uh get your drinks right ready. The
0: woods. Get your, yeah, you gotta better get your drink going because uh you're gonna get asked about it. So coach, do you have some one more thing?
3: Yeah, I just want to shout out. Um I know the staff left and I know that you know that sucks that Kalen left us, but a, a bunch of those guys on that staff were kind of blindsided by it. I just want to shout out Coach Huff. And Coach Shepard, and uh, no, I'm, I'm blanking. Um, but Coach Inge, Coach Inge, we still don't know what's going to go on with him. Uh, Nick Sheridan, obviously, has always been really nice to me. Um, I just want to shout out those guys for just giving everything they had to our program, especially Coach Huff, like through mm-hmm. obviously the last three coaching regimes. and I was really sad when he wasn't going to come back, obviously, and no offense to Brennan Carroll, but Ho- coach Huff is, is the man. He put up with a lot of crap. He overcame a lot of stuff to prove, you know, this was his swan song. He just, he just walked out of here uh, helping his team win the Joe Moore yeah. award. And uh, now he's going to go to Alabama and he's taking Parker with him. And I, I'm I'm devastated but, you know, just shout out to these guys who gave everything they had to Husky football and wanted to still be a part of it. Even Coach Grubb, he, he wanted to be the head coach, you know, when when everybody left. And, and you know, these guys just, they gave um, selflessly of themselves and sacrificed, you know, time with their families to make sure that we could be in a national championship game this year. Yeah. So s- the circumstances still sting, but a lot of those guys really didn't have a say in it. And just thank you.
0: Oh, another husky sticking around. Looks like Devon Banks will be back as well. Uh, <laughs> good news to finish up. What a great player who is having manifest, Trevor.
2: Game. Keep manifesting it. Oh,
0: here we go. Trevor Mueller, Jake Grant, Coach V UWA, Go Dogs.
1: Go Dogs. Go Dogs. Higher Court. Higher Court.
2: <laughs> High Court. Rep that dub. Let's go. Husky Nation,
0: it's the end of the third quarter. Are you looking for the perfect tequila for your next get together? The answer is born from a hero, Hero de Leon, direct from the prestigious Mergilla family just outside Guadalajara, honoring their great-grandfather who saved Mexico from a horrible civil war. It's authentic, courageous, with great integrity, just like the general. Enjoy the smoothest Blanco tequila you've ever tasted, or the rich flavor of our Repasado, aged for seven months in American bourbon barrels. Or the ultimate tequila, our Añejo, which is aged for 18 months in the same bourbon oak barrels. Go to your favorite liquor retailer or restaurant and ask for Hero de Leon, because it's always the end of the third quarter. Imported by Zombie Beverages, Mercer Island, Washington.